This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Hechos de los Apóstoles 6.11 Cierto día en que estaban reunidos los apóstoles, le preguntaron a Jesús, Señor, ¿no crees que este es un buen momento para que les des a los israelitas su propio rey? Jesús le respondió, Solo Dios decide cuándo lleva a cabo lo que piensa hacer. Pero quiero que sepan que el Espíritu Santo vendrá sobre ustedes y que recibirán poder para hablar de mí en Jerusalén, en todo el territorio de Judea y de Samaria, y también en los lugares más lejanos del mundo. Después de esto, los apóstoles vieron cómo Jesús era llevado al cielo hasta que una nube lo cubrió y ya no volvieron a verlo. Mientras tanto, dos hombres se aparecieron junto a los apóstoles y estaban vestidos con ropas muy blancas, pero los apóstoles no los vieron porque estaban mirando al cielo. Entonces, aquellos dos les dijeron, hombres de Galilea, ¿qué hacen ahí mirando al cielo? Acaban de ver que Jesús fue llevado al cielo, pero así como se ha ido, un día volverá. Hello. Hey, guys, welcome. Can we give Arna a round of applause? It takes a bit of bravery to read the Bible in another language. I was just, I, the reason I was standing off to the side, I was looking at the screen to hear Jesus. And I was like, okay, that's my time to get up because I don't personally know Spanish. Um, there's something beautiful about having the Bible read in a different language. I don't know about you, but it kind of helps us be reminded that it's not just, you know what I mean, Western maybe white, Anglo, middle-class Sydney that is Christian. It, it lifts our gaze to be like, hey, there's, there's something that God's doing around the world. Like God is at work in redeeming and restoring, not just the inner west of Sydney, but globally. So the reason we want to have the Bible reading done in different language because it just helps us lift our gaze up. So hopefully when you guys hear the Bible read in a different language, it kind of just reminds you, like, wow, there's, there's something bigger at play here. There's something going on around the world. A um, couple things. First is, I just got a photo from the Northern Beaches, so a video actually of just a gathering, and it is a full house. So we can praise God for that. Yeah, that's very exciting. Um, like, like James said, Dawson right now is preaching. He's preaching the gospel to people who might be coming back to the church for the first time. Maybe you're here today, you know, similar. Um, and we, we praise God for that. That's what we're on about. That's, what we, that's why we plant churches. It's not just kind of... <laughs> shuffle the deck around just to see people who, who don't know Jesus or who might have been to church in a long time just taste the beauty and the goodness of him maybe for the first time. Um, and the other thing is that video that you just saw, it was kind of like, does anyone hear what architectural, architectural digest, like cribs? That's like a missionary version of that. You kind of go through the house. When I saw the video, I was like, this is the best. But that's our missionaries, Scott and Ruth. Scott and Ruth Well, Ruthie in particular had been an anchor church since the very beginning. Her and Scott got married, um, went to Bible college, and they felt the call to go overseas, to the Philippines, and that's where they've been for the past three years, apart from them coming back here over COVID, and they just arrived back there, um, which is really, really exciting. Um, But they're a part of our church family. They're an extension of what God is doing here. They're doing that in the Philippines. Um, So keep them in your prayers. I'm going to pray for them now in a moment, but again, it just reminds us God is at work. Uh, it's not just here in the inner west, it's not just northern beaches or southwest. Like we've got work happening in the Philippines, which is something to praise God for and give thanks for. 
So I'm going to do that now, and then we're going to, we're going to look at what that passage that Arne read out has to say for us today. Father, we thank you that you're a God who is big, that you're a God who cares about the nations, that you're a God who is at work in restoring and redeeming all people from all different nations. Father, we pray today as we sit under your word that you shape us and, and change us to be more like Christ, that you, you lift our gaze above the, the surroundings around us to across the seas. Father, we pray that you stir our hearts for, for global mission today. Father, we pray and give thanks for Scott and Ruth. Thank you for the work that you're, you're doing through them, the way you provided for them to even get back to the Philippines. Father, we thank you just for the story that Scotty shared about the, the Muslims who are, might be getting sort of church plant through them to reach those people. Father, we just pray for continued provision and encouragement for them. Help us be a church who, who loves them, even from afar, that supports them. And Father, we, we give thanks just for the work that you're doing right in this moment in the Northern Beaches. Father, we pray that this afternoon we can, we can hear stories of just how you've been at work. And Father, we pray that this is a milestone for that church family that they can look back on and just, just praise you for. But Father, we pray for all these things and lift them up to you in Jesus' powerful and beautiful name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, I went to a Bible college called Sydney Missionary Bible College. Um, I, I grew up in the south of Sydney. I call it, it's called the Shire. I grew up in the Shire. Um, I'll be really, it's, not a, it's not a bastion of multiculturalism. So when I went to Bible college, which is a Sydney Missionary Bible College, I went to the college and I was studying with people from all around the world. Uh, I was studying with people from, from Kenya, Sudan, Indonesia, Germany, Ireland, the UK, Austria, Pakistan, Malaysia, Fiji, Outback Australia. So we just had this kind of melting pot. This is just in my year alone. This isn't the other years. It's just, just my year. So I was sitting next to people who were doing church in the Philippines or in Papua New Guinea. There was one guy. Profoundly different to how we were doing church here. And I was kind of rubbing shoulders with these guys, learning from them. And there was one guy in particular in my year from Nepal called Neeraj. Neeraj was an absolute legend um, in every sense of the word. Um, so I sat next to him one day and he, he shared his story with me. And he was, again, born and raised in the kind of the hills of Nepal where he spent most of his life. He, the village that he came from, they still practice like animal sacrifice um, as a form of worship. That was still a practice that they do, they still do it today. So he came from there to Australia um, and he became a Christian earlier in his life. And the story of how he became a Christian isn't really focused here. It's how his grandparents became Christians. So his grandparents were some of the first Christian converts in Nepal in over 300 years, so since the 17th century. So I, I don't know if you guys know much of the, the geopolitical history of Nepal. Probably not. Um, I didn't either, so it's okay. But the country was closed off to foreigners for a few centuries up until World War II. So what happened was missionaries from the UK went to the, the border of India, which India and Nepal border each other. They went to the, the border there and they set up a free clinic where they would offer free health services for people who wanted to come in, particularly reaching people who lived in Nepal. And his, his grandparents got converted through UK missionaries speaking Indian 
in that clinic on the border of Nepal in a closed country at the time. The story of how it happened was his, his grandfather was, grew up in a really abusive home, had to run away from home, so he ran away from home, wanted to get to India to join the army in India, didn't make it that far, got to the border. He was impoverished in the border of Nepal, had no money, and he was walking one day trying to find food, and he saw gold on the ground. So he picked up the gold, thinking, hey, this is the jackpot, I found gold, let me test it. So he put it in a fire to test it, and it blew up and blew off all the fingers on his hand. It turned out it was a bullet. Um, so he was with a friend at the time. His friend is like, we've got to get you help ASAP. There's a, and he knew about the clinic over the, over the mountain. He's like, we've got to get you to the, the clinic, the free clinic, these guys will help you. Um, he knew that they were white, so his grandfather knew that they were white, and the people in his village believed that white people were cannibals. So he's like, I'm not going there. He didn't have a choice. His friend dragged him as he's kind of bleeding out. This was on a Sunday. So they dragged him in to the kind of clinic where they were doing church at the time. They dragged him in. The, the missionaries stopped the service and they just treated him and tended to him and performed surgery on him for the next several hours. Like it's literally like a, you think Jesus and the paralytic, the friend bringing, it's literally just a, a modern day, or not modern, but a more recent version of that type of story. And while he was recovering there, the missionaries tended to him, they loved him, and they cared for him at the bedside. And over the time of his recovery, they opened up a, a, a kid's storybook Bible, essentially. And through images, preached the gospel to Niraj's grandfather, who became a Christian at hospital, and his future wife also became a Christian at a similar time in the similar hospital they met through there. And from that, they went on to plant churches, and today there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of Christians in Nepal through the witness of missionaries who just went to the border, were faithful witnesses, preached the gospel when opportunity arose, and here they are today, I was sitting next to their grandson at Bible College, a guy from the Shire, hearing this amazing story. And in that moment, I heard stories like, a bunch of stories like that at college from people all around the world, and it reminded me that God is at work, not just here. As someone who comes from, like I, I, I've always grown up in the same 15 kilometer radius that I live. My, my gaze was lifted to what God's doing around the world. And it stirred me. Not just for mission globally, but here. It informed my heart and stirred me about, wow, God, God can do anything. That's what we're talking about today. That, that's that's the, the kind of focal point of Global Mission Sunday. That's, that's what that passage is about. The kind of the commission that Jesus gives his disciples to, to go to all nations. And it's through that that God works in powerful and profound ways. What we're going to see today is we're going to, we're going to see the purpose of our life. Have you ever had the question, like, what is the purpose of my life? you're in the right spot today because we hear the purpose of our life and we, we look at how we're empowered to bring about this purpose and we see what we're to do. That's kind of, that's kind of the flow of what's happening today. We see that God's bigger story, the, the biggest story that we're a part of is that he is restoring and redeeming the nations to him. And we're a part of it. We have a part to play in it. So look at verse 6 and 7 with me. I'll read it in English. I can't, can't do Spanish. I'm not going to try. Unless God just gives me the tongue right now. I don't think it's going to happen. So read with me 
verse 6 and 7. It says, When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said to him, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So this is just kind of just after Jesus just, he, he died, he rose again, he, he defeated death and sin. And here he is at the kind of edge of a, like the, the lake, the Sea of Galilee, sitting on a dirt mound looking at his disciples. And they're like, what's next? And he's saying, I'm going. He's, a, he's about to ascend. And he looks at them and he gives them this great commission. But they ask this question before where they go, like, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Which is a, you might think that's a bit of a weird question to ask, but to understand that question, we need to know the kind of the history around it, like the salvation history for God's people, for the Israelites. They've been waiting for this kingdom to come. So when they hear that Jesus is going, they're like, when's this kingdom happening? In their mind, they're thinking political, this kind of earthly, stately kingdom. And they're like, so you're leaving. Does this mean that the kingdom's here? Like, who are you going to send? Who's going to, be the, who's going to be the king of this kingdom? And what's happening here is that they're missing the kind of chief purpose of God's mission. They're still waiting for this kind of political or territorial kingdom. They're expecting a, a new king. They're expecting a new earthly king who's going to kind of oversee over the Israelites, who's kind of de- going to deliver the Israelites from the oppression of the Romans. And they're like, we've had such a raw deal the past kind of few millennia. Surely this, surely this is our time. And they're like, they're like, this is the victory lap, right? Like, we've stayed with you. They, they killed you. You defeated death and sin. Like, this, is, you know, I mean, this is the triumphant victory lap. But that's not what happens. Here on this kind of Mount of dirt, Jesus commissions the disciples to be witnesses. It's not this kind of flashbang celebration. It's not the, the promise of political or cultural victory. It's a commission. They weren't, they weren't looking to the, the mission of God to redeem and restore people to himself. But they were kind of looking to this expansion of the political kingdom that they were hoping for. We can look at them. I don't know about you guys. You're probably better than me. But I look at, like, I look at the disciples in the, like, the New Testament a lot. I'm like, what were you guys thinking? Like, you guys are so silly. Like, how do you miss that? Like, you know what I mean? Jesus turns, like, walks on the water and they're like, is this the Messiah? It's like, what do you think? Like, you know what I mean? They go to the raw end of the deal. But we do it too. Western Christians in 2022, we lose sight of the mission too. We can lose sight of what God is doing. Like it's common, particularly now, for the church in the West to lose sight of the chief purpose, which is to make disciples. And we lose sight of that. We think the chief purpose of Christianity or following Jesus is kind of social capital or cultural capital. More and more we're seeing that people think the purpose of Christianity is political capital. But that's not the, that's, that's not the commission that we've been given. There are things that we should be fighting for and against, but the mission of God, the commission that he's given us, is to go and make disciples. It's to be witnesses. It's to love and serve the lost. It's to be lights that shine in the brokenness and the darkness of the world. 
And you don't have to look far to see the brokenness and the darkness of the world. Just turn on the TV. Look at the news for 15 seconds. And we, we feel it. I don't know about you, like, I read things, like some of the headlines, I'm just like, Jesus, come back, please. And often, like, we're, we're too scared. Like, the, the big thing, right, we lose sight because we're too scared. We don't have the courage to make disciples. Sometimes we don't know how to do it. We don't have the confidence that the gospel is powerful to save. We might have the confidence here, but how it plays out in our lives, sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect. We forget what it's like to see the beauty of God and to, and to taste the goodness and the, the grace that was on offer to us in Jesus. One of my favourite books and movies of all time is The Lord of the Rings. Is there any Lord of the Rings fans here? I knew, I knew there'd be some. The book club, the Dungeons and Dragons, I knew you guys had my back. Um, it has a special place in my heart. And towards the end of the last book, Return of the King, not to end the whole like the lore behind it, whatever, I'm just going to give you the highlights. Just forgive me. Um, towards the end of the last book, there's this scene where, it's been, like, it's been out for 50 years, so I'm not spoiling it, uh, where they, they're climbing Mount Doom. So the whole point of the thing is that they've got the one ring, they need to take the one ring to Mount Doom, destroy it. And Frodo and Sam, the kind of t- two of the main characters, uh, they're there in, Mount, in, in Mordor, which is like hell, and they're climbing up Mount Doom to destroy the ring. Fire, it's like it's, there's ash, it's just no colour's been taken away from the world. And here they are, they're climbing up the mountain, and Frodo, who has, who's holding the one ring, he, he's, he's just, he's losing all energy. He's losing, like, his, his spirit's run dry, he's physically tired, he's mentally tired, the, the ring is destroying him. And he kind of collapses halfway up the mountain. And Sam, God bless Sam, he is he's the character. Sam is there and he, he grabs Frodo. And to, to encourage Frodo, he, he reminds Frodo of the taste of strawberries and cream. He's like, Frodo, remember the taste of strawberries and cream. Remember, remember what it's like back in the Shire. Shout out to the Shire. But he's like, remember what it's like. like remember, again, all life's been taken away. Just remember like the, the sound of rushing water, the birds in the trees, the, the smell of, of food. And he's encouraging him. He's, he's trying to remind him, hey, there's something better than this. Hey, there's something that we're, we're holding on to. It's often like that with us and the mission of God. We forget, we get distracted, we, we, we run dry, we get tired. You know, we might have a sermon that really, like the Spirit just really stirs us, we go to a conference and then, you know what I mean, like a few weeks later, you forget the taste of strawberries and cream. Like we forget the taste of the goodness of God. We, f- we forget what it was like to experience grace for the first time. We forget, we forget the moment what it felt like to just be reminded, or maybe for the first time, just hearing the gospel, you know, that, that Jesus love. I remember the first time I became a Christian, well, the only time I became a Christian, but when I first became a Christian, it blew my mind that Jesus loved me that despite my sin, past, present, and future, that I have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And it's so easy for me to forget that. And that's, what, that's, that's kind of what the disciples need. It's what we need. It's like, just remember. Remember the goodness of God. Remember what he did for you on the cross. 
Remember that the whole purpose of your life is reorientated around him. In classic Jesus fashion, he, he answers their question by pointing them to the future kingdom to come. He, he points them to the future. Not, not a nation set on earth, not a, the best political king or leader that's going to come and kind of solve all the problems. He, he shows them that real power, it's not cultural, it's not political, it's not social, but real power is the Holy Spirit. That's his answer. Um, look at verse 8 with me. Jesus says this. He says, you, you, but, sorry, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The, the power that Jesus is, is leaving with his disciples. Again, he's about to ascend. He's like, I'm going to leave this power with you. And you guys are going to be witnesses to the end of the earth. And this power isn't, it's not soldiers. You know what I mean? It's not like a, a gospel hit squad. It's, it's the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the, the, the part of the triune God. He goes, that Spirit is going to live within you, dwell within you, and He's going to empower you for the mission. He's going to empower you to be witnesses to the end of the earth. And here today, if you're a Christian, if you have put your trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross, if, if you are as imperfect as you possibly can, trying to follow Jesus, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is sealed in you and He's at work within you. And He's he's empowering you to be witnesses. And that's the same Holy Spirit that reminds us of the taste of strawberries, so to speak. It's the same, it's the spirit that points us when we forget to Jesus, to the Father, and say, remember, remember. But more than that, he empowers us to make disciples. I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation where you've been, a spiritual conversation with a friend or a family member or a coworker or a GC, where you just say something and you think, dang, that was good, Right? And you're like, I don't know where that came from, right? My GC might know this. I, I sometimes say things that sound good. I don't know where that come from. It just happens. It's just, right? And we can, we can kind of pin it to that. We can be like, oh, it's just, you know what I mean? My brain's making mental links and I'm kind of pulling the information back up. But from what we see in the scripture, that's the, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit reminding us in those moments. Hey, you remember that you read this? Remember that time you heard this? Remember that podcast you listened to or that conversation you had with someone else? Like, and it just comes up. Like you've read something or you've studied something and you've heard it and the Spirit just brings it up in the right time at the right place. And you think, hopefully this is right. And we, we, trust, this, we, we trust it is. And all of a sudden, you, like, there might be times where you just feel emboldened. If you're anything like me, like, maybe you get anxious. Like you, you kind of sense that there's a, a, an opening to, to, to tell someone about your faith to share the goodness of God and the, the beauty of the gospel. And not only might, might, you might be too anxious to do that, too nervous, but there might be times you just feel emboldened. That, that's the Spirit. That's the Spirit empowering. That's, that's the Holy Spirit kind of just dialing up what He's doing in you and empowering those moments to make disciples, to be witnesses. There's times in my Christian life where I've been, I've been having conversations with people about the things of God, um, whether they're believers or not, 
And I, I've, I've just felt so out of my depth. I, I've, I was like, I can't answer this. I don't know what to do here. And there's been times where I've, I've prayed in those moments. Obviously not out loud, it's weird. But I've prayed in my head in those moments. And it's like time just slowed down. And God has just, just been gracious by His Spirit just to give me the right words to say and use it. Use my feeble words and the Spirit empowers them and use them in powerful ways. Which means we're not alone. Like as we're His witnesses, as we go out, we're not alone. As we seek to make disciples, you're not alone. God is with you. The God of the universe, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is with you. And that should give you some sort of boldness. But where are we to be as witnesses? That's what the next verse says. It says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The purpose of everything we do, the purpose of, and the mission of our lives, the kind of mission statement of your life, is to be a witness. It's the, point, it's the point of our careers. It's the point of our relationships, of our marriages, of our families, of our money. It's the point of where we live, what we choose to do. It's the point of our hobbies. Like everything that we do, all these things are encompasses, uh, encompassed in we're there to make disciples. We're there to be witnesses, to point people to God's goodness and His glory and His beauty. That's what it means to be a witness. It's, it's to show people the beauty of the gospel. And where do we do it? Where do we be witnesses? Well, first it says Jerusalem. We hear that, right? And we think, do I have to go book an Emirates flight and pack my bags and go to Jerusalem and spend some time there? Obviously, we, we do a bit of contextualization. Um, and what it's saying is to think of Jerusalem as local, so when Jesus speaks to disciples, like that's, that's the local area. That's, that's where they're at. They're saying here, like it's, for us, it's, it's the suburbs we live in. It's Marrickville, it's Dulwich Hill, it's, it's Pimble, it's North Sydney, it's, it's down south in the Shire. It's where we live. It's, it's, that's Jerusalem for us. It's, it's, we're to be witnesses in our communities, in our workplaces, as we go to Roseville before or after church. Like we're, we're there to be witnesses. When you're getting groceries or petrol after dodging it for two weeks, the prices are insane, but when you finally go get petrol, like we're, we're there to be witnesses. We, 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 we take the weight of eternity with us everywhere we go, everything that we do. We are ambassadors to the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors and and witnesses, we've seen and we've tasted the beauty and the glory of Jesus. And we take that with us where we go. When we go to the gym in the morning or after work, when we're, we bring the weight of eternity with us. When we go to shoot herbs or get dinner with a friend or we pick up the kids from daycare or school, um, we bring the weight of eternity with us. That's, that's what we're doing. And this means that no one should ever be bored because we we've got the greatest mission Ever. We've got the greatest purpose ever, and it's to make disciples to be witnesses. It's to be lights in the world. It's to just, just be faithful presence where we need to be. 
And God's, God's big plan for your life isn't to make money. It isn't to break into the property market in Sydney. It's not to start a family. Like those things aren't bad, but they're secondary to the chief purpose of our life, which is to be witnesses, to make disciples. It's God's chief purpose for your life. It's to, it's to bring glory to him. It's to make, not converts, but disciples. Like this is the point of your life. This is the point of your job. It's the point of the purpose of your family, again, of your marriage. It's all right there. It's all in that verse. It all points to make disciples, be witnesses. The reason you have the personality that you have, the reason that God's gifted you with the gifts you've been given, the reason he didn't let you get that apartment, but he let you get this apartment, or the reason you can't buy property here, but you can buy property there, all those types of things, is that that's God. That's the Spirit working to open doors to say, I want to be a witness here. The reason you have the interests that you have, that's why. And like we heard last week um, from James the Sermon, which if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go back and listen to it, because it really frames this point of the sermon. Like we just need to be attentive to what the Spirit is doing, to where He's already working, looking for people of peace, and just, all we got to do is just join in with what God's doing. Just step into it. He, the Spirit's doing the work. We're, just, we're invited to come play. It's a, it's a cosmic take your kid to work day. And, and we're invited. Like when you, like so what, is it, what can this look like? I think part of the things is, it's just the, like the little things. It's, it's doing the prayer walk around your apartment complex even. When you go for your, your, your walk, just, just pray. Pray for what you see around. Pray for the people that you see around. If you see someone who needs help taking groceries up the stairs, help them. Help them get the groceries up the stairs. I don't even notice. He doesn't say here, hey, go to Jerusalem or, or pick Samaria, pick this. He says, and. Right? That blew my mind when I read that this week. He says the word and. So it's not just like, hey, just think about Jerusalem, just think about the local. No, it says, and think about this, and think about the end of the earth. So which is what the next is. We see Judea and Samaria, which think about that as the kind of nation state. So we've got the local, we've got our city, we've got our local community around us, and then we've got the kind of nation state. Global, not global, region, like just in Australia, regional Australia. Think the communities, like the rural communities that we have. Think the people in the towns that don't, like they might have a church there, but there's like three people in it. Like where do we concerned and praying for that? Maybe even going to that. But there is a lot of places around where they don't have Christians being faithful presences. And we're called to, to go and participate in that. And then we get the ends of the earth, which think global. Think ends of the earth. And at the moment, there is 7,415 unreached people groups. So when you hear unreached people groups, this is people that the, the Christian percentage of Christians in that community is so low that it's classified, that it hasn't been reached with the gospel yet. And there are 7,415 unreached people groups around the world. Out of the almost 7.9 billion people on earth, there are 3.5 billion people that have never 
heard the gospel. They have never, don't even have a Christian in that community or even country. There are people that have not been reached with a life-changing news about Jesus, which is, and almost 95% of these people live in what's called the, the 1040 window. And when you, the 1040 window, it's, if you were to get a map, kind of lay the map out, it's um, the, the kind of window between the Horn of Africa, across to India, most of Asia, up to Russia. It's that kind of window there. And 95% of people that haven't been reached with the gospel are in that area. The Philippines, where Scott and Ruth are, that's in the 1040 window. And that's hundreds of millions, if not billions, of people that have not heard the good news of Jesus. There are countries where it's illegal to run a church or to practice the way of Jesus. But that does not stop the Holy Spirit from working. That does not stop the Holy Spirit from bringing about revival. I don't even know this, but like if you think, what country at the moment has the fastest growing rate of evangelical Christians in it? You might think, you know what I mean, like maybe Australia or the US, like the US has a lot of Christians in it, or maybe the UK, maybe even China, like China in the, like between the, the 80s and now, they've seen millions and millions of people become Christians in a hostile country where Christianity isn't, like it's all house church, underground churches, but it's not those countries. It's actually Iran. Iran has the far, in the past decade has the fastest growing rate of Christians in it. So about a bit over 10 years ago, the census classified about 5,000 evangelical Christians in it. And over the past couple of years, in the last census, and this is with COVID too as well, there has been over 1 million people who identify as Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christians, which is insane. That is ridiculous a country that is predominantly Muslim that's a national religion where you can't you know what I mean like they're not they're not meeting in music halls or in church but yet God is at work even in closed countries and hostile countries um, when I first went to Bible college and this is the thing God uses ordinary people and this is what hit me when I went to Bible college is that I was one of the few people at college who weren't thinking about cross-cultural mission I was one of the few people at college that went like, I'm going to the nations. I was like, oh, at this stage, I'm in Sydney. And people are like, what? Like, what do you mean? Why are you here? Um, but something that struck me over my long time at college, because it took me a while to do it, is that the people who wanted to go overseas were just ordinary people. Like Scott and Ruth. I love Scott and Ruth. They're just normal people. And I had this idea that the people that kind of thought about cross-cultural mission are these like super Christians who like just devour languages and like are really good at contextualizing the gospel. But what stuck, struck me most is that they were just ordinary. They were ordinary, normal people who were just being obedient to the call that they, they feel like God had put in their lives that season. They had a clear call to, to go. Go to a particular country. These were tradesmen, they were chippies. They were, they were teachers. Our doctors and lawyers, our accountants, we had retirees, we had young parents, we had newly married couples, we had singles, we had people in their early 20s, we had vintage saints, is what, it's a nice way to say it, I'll let you kind of work out how old that is, but vintage saints. They were ordinary people who, they, some of them struggled to learn languages, some of them had grown up in the same town their whole life, some people 
wrestled with mental health and physical health. Some of them had given up very lucrative careers to make as much money in 10 years over there as they would make in one year here. And I asked myself the question all the time, these guys, why? And the answer always was because they were so encapsulated with the beauty and the grace of God and they wanted the nations to know. Okay, it's it's the, the global mission of God in the hands of just ordinary people. Because that's who Jesus was talking to. Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, he is talking to tradesmen. Some of them were fishermen, uneducated. Some of them were doctors, some of them were accountants. And he's talking to them saying, guys, go. This is the purpose of your life. Make disciples, be witnesses in your local area, in Jerusalem, all around the world. You are the light of the world. And here we are today in Sydney at the Factory Theatre, worshipping God because they obeyed the call 2,000 years ago. The reason that Niraj sat next to me in class is because he obeyed the call. I'm oh, sorry, they obeyed the call, then he obeyed the call. I just want to give you three quick ways, really quick as we wrap up, about what this looks like, really quick. And the first one is where to pray. Where to pray the prayer in Habakkuk where it says, for all the earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. We want to pray that the gospel will go out, that lives will be transformed, that we'll see more revivals like we've seen in Iran and China, all around the world. We want to pray for our missionaries. We want to pray for Scotty and Ruth. We want to reach out to them. Hey guys, how can we be praying for you? We want to be praying for our partners of compassion. A really helpful guide for prayer is a book called Operation World. Um, so it's like a kind of dictionary type thing with all the countries in the world in it. And it talks about the kind of the demographic of unreached people groups, the, the people that haven't been reached with the gospel. And it kind of breaks down uh, specific prayer points, specific kind of cultural things they want to be praying for and praying against. Uh, but pick that up. Another thing is that we can do is, is, is fund. Um, we can help. Like for some of us, this is never going to happen. We're not, we're not going to be able to go overseas. We're not going to be able to go rurally or wherever it looks like. That This is where God wants you. Again, God wants us local as well. He wants us in Jerusalem. But maybe you can't go, but you can, you can, you can fund. You can help fund people to go. Like most missionaries have to raise part of, if not all, of their funds to overseas. And we get to partner with them. We get to use the, the resources that God has given us that are His to, to bless people to go, but like to be reaching people in areas that we can't reach them. Like it, it's funding things like compassion. Like we, we have Compassion Sunday coming up in a couple of months. We get to fund that. We get to, we get to bless and sponsor kids in areas that are unreached, in areas where the gospel isn't preached all the time. We get to use, we get to, to bless that and be a part of that. We get to we fund things as a church like Acts 29. Acts 29 has a, a rural and a global church in hard places initiative where we're, we're helping bless and send people to those areas as a church family. You're helping do that. And we can we can help fund Scott and Ruth. We can we can jump on board and and help bless them financially to free them up to be planting churches, to be reaching people, to be training people over there. 
And finally, we can go. We can go. Maybe you're here today and you've thought in the past that you want to you go somewhere. Maybe short term, maybe long term. Or maybe you're here today and the Spirit's kind of stirred that in you. Don't ignore it. Pray about it. Ask questions about it. Talk, talk to us about it. Like for some of us, going overseas, <coughs> oh, sorry, um, that, that's the Spirit of God over, uh, just stirring you. For some of us, we need to lead into that call and, and, and see what God has for us. doesn't mean like, God wants us to always go work for churches overseas or be in pastoral ministry. A lot of missionaries, they just go over there. They work the job they're working here, just in a different country, and they just bless the church there. They use the, the knowledge they've gained here to, to go help establish and serve in churches over there. And maybe that's you. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, the inner west is just it's too expensive. I'm going to move rurally one day. I'm going to go to Tamworth or to Armadale or to Bathurst, whatever it looks like. That's, that's the mission. That's, that's the ends of the earth if you live in Sydney. But like, that's, that's regional Australia. They need people. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today and you, you want to go on an overseas short-term trip. I think, every, I think if you have the means and the availability... I think at some point everyone should just go to a different country and hear the gospel preached and sung in a different language. And maybe for you, it's, it's going overseas for a short-term trip. Go spend a few weeks in the Philippines. But don't ignore it. Like, please reach out to us. Because this is, this is the point of our lives. Here in Sydney or wherever God has you in the future is to be witnesses. That is what you're on earth to do. And friends, it's our turn. It's our turn to be obedient to the commission that God has given us to make disciples. God is redeeming and restoring people to Him. He has invited us just to come play, to come be a part of what He's doing. And He's given the mission of God, the global mission of God in the hands of ordinary people like you and me to be a part of. So pray about it. Pray funds and possibly think about what it looks like for you to make disciples in whatever context God has you in. But as a church family, let's just get after it. Let's just do it. Don't wait. Don't think about, okay, I'll, I'll be attentive to what the Spirit's doing next week. Let's start today. Let's see what God has for us. I'm going to pray. And Father, we thank you that you are at work in our city. Father, think that we live in a city where the nations are coming to us in many ways. Father, I pray for us here in the room today that you just give us clear direction for where you want us and what you'll have us do. Father, for many of us here, they'll, they'll be staying here in Sydney. Father, help us be faithful witnesses in our workplace, in the gyms we go to, in the hobbies that we participate in, in the, the schools that we pick the kids up from. Father, help us to be a faithful witness. And Father, for some of us here, that might mean eventually work takes us somewhere else or maybe it's a more intentional call that you put in our lives to, to go overseas. Father, I pray that you help us resource those people. And I pray for those people here today that they, they have that stirring. Father, give them clear direction, open doors where doors need to be opened. And Father, all of us here today, give us a boldness to be looking for people of peace and to be joining with you with what you're already doing. We praise in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.
Uh, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper now. This is something, again, for Global Mission Sunday, there's Christians all around the world right now in countries where they're in underground basement churches who are doing what we're about to do. So if you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, you, you, you follow Jesus, we want to invite you to, to participate and celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And it will be happening over the next three songs. So there's no rush. Take your time. Just, this is a slow thing. There, there's stations at the back, the left and the right. We want, you guys to, we want to create a space for you guys to pray and to do business with God. Take someone up with you and pray with them. But as you take it, just remember two things. Remember what Jesus has done for you on the cross as you break the bread and, and drink the, the grape juice. So it's His body broken for us. It's His blood spilt for us. But also, particularly this week, as, as you do that, Hey, remember that we're a part of a global community that are doing this at the same time as us. That God is at work globally. And there are family members, there are brothers and sisters in Christ. And like we see in Revelation, one day we're going to be worshipping with people from all different tribes, nations and tongues at the foot of the, cross, at the, foot of the throne of Jesus. And that's going to be the best thing ever. And we get to just have a foretaste of that now. So we're going to sing some songs. Take your time, head up the back. Let's get after it.